What's up, Gator Country? Andrew Spivey back with Ethan. It's a duo today, the tag team, and uh, we're uh, we're back in a you know pretty pretty jam packed show we got planned here, Ethan. Uh, Gators uh, last weekend at home, correct? In baseball, yes. yes. Last week, last home series against Georgia. Yeah, overall it's been a you know good se good season at home, and, and you know welcome the new ballpark. I mean, obviously things could have went better overall. Um, let me ask you this: first impressions of the of the of the new stadium, uh, playing as you expected. Yeah, it's it played pretty much like I expected. It's a little bit bigger and more of a pitcher's park than what McKeithen Stadium was, but at the same time it plays very fair. I mean, if you absolutely crush a ball like you've seen with Judd Fabian and Chris Armstrong a couple times, it will still sell out of there in a hurry. So from a playing standpoint, about I think it plays very similar to what you what the stadium is like in Omaha. And then just from a fan standpoint, it is just it's a gorgeous stadium. The shade is just gonna be so beneficial over the years with the heat and then the rain. It it's one of the nicer stadiums in the country, I would imagine. I mean, I haven't seen any other college baseball stadiums, but I think you'd be hard-pressed to build anything a whole lot nicer than that. I haven't seen Florida's new stadium in person yet. We'll see that soon. Um, but I've seen a lot of stadiums around the, the SEC. Uh, the new box at, at, at LSU um, is beautiful. Um, but the thing about it is, is they don't have the whole 360 and being able to see the field from – from everywhere like the new minor league stadiums are and I'm a big minor league guy and I, I from the impressions I've seen I mean from the uh, photos I've seen and the impressions I've gotten from people is you know Florida's new stadium is is as close to a minor league ballpark as it is like you said uh I think it plays true I mean if you hit the ball good enough to go out of the ballpark it's gonna go out of the ballpark uh, it's definitely a uh, extra base hit ballpark in the gaps uh a pitcher's ballpark at times too. Uh, you know that's kind of uh, to be expected with Kevin O'Sullivan, uh, even though this year hasn't been a great pitching year overall. Uh, but we'll get into that here in a minute. Uh, also, uh, softball was the uh, SEC uh, regular season champions entered the uh, SEC tournament as the one seed. We're taping this on Thursday, and they're taking on Mississippi State in the first round of the SEC tournament. Uh, playing Mississippi State, and uh, you know should be a good weekend for the Gators as well. Uh, uh, they technically tied with Arkansas, but uh, took the number one seed um, over um, uh, percentage points against Alabama because they were the, the third seed and, and Florida won two out of three against them. Um, but we'll get into that in a minute. Uh, some big news on the NFL. The, 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 the man, the myth, the legend, the GOAT. Tim Tebow is uh, expected to be signed to a one-year deal by the Jaguars to play tight end. You heard that right. Not quarterback, but tight end after he worked out uh, for Urban Meyer's staff. Did not work out for Urban as Urban said he didn't want to be a part of it, uh, you know, so that no one kind of called him biased or anything else. And I get that. Uh, Ethan, first impressions are what? You're a Jaguar fan. I mean, Urban can try to remove himself from the process <laughs> as much as possible, but, I mean, if he's not the head coach of the Jaguars, I don't think Tim Tebow is getting a job in the league right now. But, I mean, from a Jaguar standpoint, it's the worst tight end room in the NFL, possibly by a pretty large margin, so it's kind of a low-risk, high-reward move. If either he'll improve the position group and help the team get better, or they'll cut him in preseason. There's really not a whole lot to lose here other than maybe the, I guess, fan perception if they cut him or don't end up signing him. 
could be a little bit of backlash, but shouldn't be any sort of long-term consequences if this doesn't work out. Let me ask you this, and, you know, obviously I'm not getting into the politics of it. I just, I, I honestly, I honestly don't want this to turn into that. Um, do you, do you think that, you know, him being a Jacksonville guy and all of that is a PR stunt here, or do you think he can actually play? I, I was reading something, uh, on Thursday where, uh, supposedly the Jaguars trainer said he looked like he was an 18 year old kid and he was in great shape and everything else. Um, do, do, do you think this is a PR stunt or, or what? I mean, it's probably part PR stunt part trying to help the team because I mean they did just draft Trevor Lawrence and they hired Urban Meyer as their head coach and they're selling season tickets at a level that hasn't been seen in a long time so I'm not really sure how much of a PR boost they needed but I mean getting Tebow back in the stadium even if he's just standing on the sidelines holding a clipboard or two doesn't can't hurt well I mean you're gonna you're gonna draw fans and 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 at the end of the day a lot of that is that I mean you know I I, I did not think he was a baseball player. I went and watched him play for that reason. So they got a ticket uh, from me. They got me to buy a, a jersey uh, when he was playing with the Columbia Fireflies. Uh, that was Tebow. I'm a Tebow guy. Love Tebow. So, you know, it worked on me. And I think it's a, I think it's all over sports in general. And, you know, obviously with the Jaguars, they her- hired Urban Meyer because he's a great coach, but also for a PR move. Um, you know, and they're trying to turn it around. The thing for me is this, and that is, Tebow's not going to be a distraction to your team. He's going to come in, he's going to work hard, uh, he's going to be a veteran leader, um, he's going to come in and he's going to help the quarterback room, he's going to come in and he's going to help the uh, you know, the, the team in general with their psyche and everything else. I see it as a, you know, a low-risk, high-reward kind of thing. And, you know, if he gets cut, he gets cut. I mean, I just, you know, for what little bit of change he's going to get to report to training camp, so be it. Yep. And he's going to, I think, really have an effect on the tight end room because, I mean, those guys aren't going to want to let some guy who hasn't played an NFL game in close to 10 years come in and take one of their jobs. So it's only going to have kind of a trickle-down effect throughout the entire roster. Nobody's going to want to get lose to that guy. Right. Yeah. And, I mean, here's the thing. If he comes in and makes some plays... Hey, good for him. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. I mean, obviously the signing is not official yet. Um, there's, you know, still some stuff they're working through. Uh, I'm sure it's contract, that kind of stuff, or, or whatever it may be. Maybe even something with the Mets. I don't I don't know. Um, but something, you know, they're, they're still working through it all, and, and we're getting through that. So, uh, Gators did pick up some big news, though, in football recruiting and picked up a big wide receiver, Isaiah Bond, who's one of the fastest guys in the state of Georgia. Um, and... Uh, he committed as a slot receiver. He's an athlete overall, but committed as a slot receiver to the Gators. And uh, I think it's a big pickup. You know, I, I say that, you know, heading into this year um, on on the Gators' offense side of the ball, the, the biggest weakness is they don't have a guy to replace Kadarius Tony. You know, I know they say Trent Whittemore is going to play there some. Justin Shorter is going to play there some. Cope's going to get some run there. They don't have a guy, in my opinion, that can really, you know, be that Kadarius Tony type of guy. I think Isaiah Bond is that guy that can be that guy. Yep, and that, that's kind of been one of their bigger weaknesses in the recruiting trails. They've gotten some good receivers, but they haven't gotten that one one like track star guy, like an Anthony Schwartz type, who you can just give the ball to and he can just run past everybody on the defense. And 
Bond, it would appear, is that guy. I think we're in like, a, what, a 10, 300 meters or something? Something like that, yeah. Uh, and, I mean, it was it was crazy. It, you know, again, it was it's a big pickup for that reason. I mean, it, you know, obviously you don't want a track star that can't play football. I mean, you know, I, I, I like Anthony Swartz. I think he's a good speed. But I think Anthony, Anthony Swartz is a track guy who's trying to play football. Right. I think Isaiah Bond is a football player who's just able to run track. Uh, it's kind of like Kadarius Toney. Um, are either one of those guys ever going to be, you know, um, you know, an Olympic gold medalist in, in, in track? No, probably not. Uh but they're both going to be really good football players. I mean, heck, look at DK Metcalf. He's one of the fastest receivers in the NFL, and you know he goes out and finishes last in his heat. It just doesn't work um, like that. Um, so I, I think it's a big pickup. You know, I think it's an underrated pickup as well because you know you look at Mullins' offense, and, and when Mullins' offense is going well, um, you know, same thing with Urban. They have that guy who can do everything. You know, you you see Kadarius get you know touches in the backfield. You see him get touches at you know slot receiver you see him come on jet sweeps uh you see him do all kind of different things and you know he's also a, a weapon on special teams as well it, it just makes such a big uh mismatch to your team and you know I, when you don't have that guy that can do that i, I think it it makes this offense change a little bit. And I'm not saying that it's going to be a bad offense this year, but I think when you have that weapon, it makes your offense that much more dangerous, especially when you have a, a, a dual-threat quarterback that can get out there and do things uh, with that slot receiver. And I think you're seeing the offense for the future starting to resemble more of what we thought the Dan Mullen offense was going to be based off of his time as offensive coordinator, where you have some smaller, speedier receivers like Bond, and now you are got a whole room full of running quarterbacks and guys like Demarcus Bowman in the backfield who can run with the best of them. It's starting to, and your offensive line's basically kind of four guards or five guards at this point. Yeah. It really feels like you're starting to get back to that spread option roots that the thing was based off of that they just didn't have the personnel for the last couple of years, which, I mean, for good reason, because you're not going to run that offense with Kyle Trask, so it made sense. And um, now they're going to kind of shifted yeah well i mean you know urban's deal when he was in you know gainesville and i, I think he's even doing it a little bit in jacksonville is he wants to have the fastest team in america if you have a fast yeah. team in america you're winning a lot of football games you know just you just are i mean you know you could be strong you could be physical you could be whatever it may be but guess what when the defense catches up to you and they you know uh team up and tackle you you're going down but if they can't catch you you know you're you're really good and like you said I think it is starting to be, begin to to look like that of you know an offense that you know you you thought it was and and, and again it, it started to to go that way last year you know you seen Kadarius Tony uh you know really step up you seen what Kyle Pitts did you you seen all that stuff and you were able to you know, pick up the mismatches, and, and and that is what Dan Mullen's offense is, what Urban Meyer's offense. I mean, it's really what any good offense is, but in particular, Dan Mullen and, and Urban Meyer's offense, and that is they go into every game and find the mismatch. Well, a lot of times the mismatch was Kadarius Toney versus whoever the linebacker was going to be covering him or whoever the safety was going to be covering him or Kyle Pitts. Um, and, and again, I'm not taking anything away from Justin Shorter or Trent Whittemore or any of those guys. I just don't think that it, at, them at the slot receiver does what Kadarius Toney could do, what Isaiah Bond could do. And then there's another guy in Chandler Smith who uh, just was one of the top guys in the state in track. Uh, they're recruiting him as well at, at that slot receiver position. So if you can add two of those guys there – 
watch out. You got a really dangerous, uh, you know, slot receiver room now. I think what you hope is that eventually you're able to create mismatches with everybody on the field. You don't just have to have a Tony or a Pitts that you're able to get a mismatch. You're able to basically just force a mismatch on every play just by virtue of having five guys out there that the defense can't all guard at once. Yeah, good, good, absolutely good point. I mean, you know, you you want to continue uh, to to have that and, and to be able to just kind of go out there and, and run your offense and, and find the mismatch. And you know, it's starting to develop. I mean, you know, there's some you know question marks, uh, especially on the offensive line and, and all that stuff, and um, that'll have to be answered. But I, again, I think it was a very very big pickup to get Isaiah Bond um, on Sunday, and um, you know, you get some, a little bit of momentum as you head into the dead. Uh, to the end of the dead period in June the 1st when they're expected to be, you know, about 50 or 60 guys on campus. Um, and, you know, you you hope to pick up some commits. It's going to be a busy June. Uh, I wanted to go to this uh, real quick, Ethan, and, and get your thoughts on this. So uh, Tyreek Johnson is uh, entered the transfer portal from Ohio State. Um, you know, was a once five-star out of Jacksonville Trinity Christian. Um, Florida recruited him a little bit, but he was dead set on playing corner. Florida wanted him at safety. Um uh, Obviously, he went up to Ohio State and didn't work out at cornerback. You know, Florida has reportedly, uh, you know, reached out to him. I've confirmed that they've reached out to him, you know, a little bit. Um, I guess my question to you is this, Ethan, and that is, first of all, he hasn't had a good career at Ohio State. Is it okay to take him now in the transfer portal after you passed on a guy like Tyrion Arnold, who was coming out of high school, who was a really good athlete at safety? Uh, what's your thoughts on this? I think, I mean, I think you have to take a guy like him if he wants to come because I mean, right now you don't have a whole lot that you can feel comfortable with that safety moving forward. I mean, you have some young players, but that's kind of risky because you don't know how good any of them are going to be at this point. So getting a guy like him, if you can convince him to play safety now, go for it. Yeah. I just I, see the Arnold situation being, like, I don't see how that's really relevant to this, whether they decide to take a transfer or not. Well, I, I think the biggest thing for me is this, and that is the reason they didn't take Terry and Arnold was because they, they, they felt good with the safety room. And and so that's where I'm at, and that is, do you do you take you know Tyreek Johnson now, you know, and, and I mean, you know, there's a lot of people frustrated by. It. I, here's my thing with that. I, I I personally don't think they end up taking Tyreek Johnson. Um, I, I think he's a corner who who I mean, I think he's a safety who wants to play corner. I don't think he is, uh, you know, has improved a lot. So I don't think they end up taking him. Um. My my only thing was is you know you passed on a guy like Terry Arnold who was a really good player you had the opportunity to develop him uh, you know I I would be a little upset and frustrated by that that you took a you know a transfer safety when you passed on him um, you know and let him go to Alabama because you said you didn't have room for him uh, so that's kind of where that is I, again I don't know that I don't think they take him um, you know they reach out to everyone just to kind of gauge interest I don't think they take him at the end of the day um, but it was just something I wanted to bring up as you know uh, okay well let's you know let's let's weigh the pros and cons of it. It would be interesting, though, if they end up do taking him. Would that basically be the staff admitting that they were wrong on Terry and Arnold? Is that how you would view that? I mean, yeah, and, and I guess that's kind of my point in a little bit, and that is, you know, did you go through the spring and say, oh, crap, maybe we overestimated, you know, how good some of our young safeties was going to be? I, I don't know. 
don't, it's just, they've got to get, that, that's the one biggest concern on defense, other than obviously the scheme, everyone wants to talk about, you know, Grantham, but position-wise, safety's been the biggest mess for a couple of years now, and why not add all the pieces you possibly can? And, I mean, the more pieces you add, they can't all be busts at the same time, can they? Right, yeah, and I mean, listen, there's no, you know, there's no right, you know, and there there's no, you know, formula for, for, for recruiting. And, you know, obviously the, the transfer portal, uh, you know, throws a wrench in things. And, you know, obviously it's uh, kind of touche because, you know, you look at the situation and you say, well, you know, they were able to go through the, the spring and, and figure out, okay, maybe they don't feel as good about this person as that person. So, you know, I, it's not exactly fair there. I, 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 just, I just wanted to bring it up just simply because I, I thought, you know, it just was a little weird. I, I'm still kind of in shock that they let Terry and Arnold walk to Bama, um, you know, when you needed safeties. I mean, I, you know, obviously outside of Trey Dean, is there really a safety on this team that you really feel great about at this time? I mean, we all think Corey Collier is going to be a good player. We all think Rashad Torrance has a chance to be, but those are all chances. Yeah. And they just, they don't have a lot of, Yes, proven depth. Surefire, proof, going to be star players. Right. At this point. Exactly. So, uh, let's move on to the Diamond Sports. Uh, Gators host uh, who this weekend? Georgia. Should Georgia. Be a fun series. Ah, should be a fun series. A little rivalry series. Uh, what's the Gators now in the SEC race? They are currently one and a half behind Vandy for a second because Vandy didn't get to play their final game against Alabama due to weather. And then two games behind Tennessee, which, I mean, who would have thought Tennessee would be leading Vanderbilt this late in the SEC season? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And who do the Gators finish with next week? At Arkansas. At Arkansas. That, oh, yeah. oh, oh, oh. Got to oh. find a way to at least go 3-3 three and three these next six. Yeah, I mean, obviously you would love to, to sweep Georgia this weekend, um, you know, and and give yourself some, some breathing room. Uh, you know, the latest uh, – projections are, are kind of out and looks like the Gators you know are, are now in the the hosting uh, back in the hosting uh, you know frame of mind there um, I this is the question that I, I have for you and, and that is you know do you feel like this team is still trending in the right direction I mean I, you know I they lose to Stetson on Tuesday and it's whatever, you know, and it's midweek game. They were playing everybody, pitching, you know, Johnny Holstaff. So I don't put too much into that. Do you feel like this is heading in the right direction still? I do feel like they're still heading in the right direction just because they've won two really competitive SEC series in a row in games that they had to kind of battle from behind and games that I think maybe a month ago they don't win. Right. And then the Stetson game, I mean – that game didn't matter at all to me. Like, just to be honest, I wasn't even looking forward to having to cover that game. It's just right because it's just the game in the way of before you get to play Georgia. And so, I think the one thing they've got to get figured out is they've got to get the starting rotation back on track. They're gonna move Tommy Mace back to Friday this week against Georgia, and Hunter Barco's getting bumped up to Saturday, and Alamon going back to Sunday. If they can get some sort of just consistently get five or six innings out of those guys with the way the bats have been going pretty much all season with the exception of the Stetson game. They can get those three going just a little bit more. They've got a chance, I think, to definitely host a regional. I mean, they're coming out with the top 20 regional host possibilities on Friday. And then the Gators definitely on that. And then 
able to win these next two series. I think they're not only in a regional lock to be a host a regional, but they sh- could be in the top eight national seed discussion to host a super regional at that point. I, just, I think they're definitely trending in the right direction, but they've Georgia's not going to be an easy series to win. They, they're a team that's a lot better than what the record would suggest. They just had some bad luck with injuries. I know their Sunday starter, Ryan Webb, recently they announced, announced this week that he's going to be out for the year with an elbow injury. They Georgia's, they took two out of three at Vanderbilt. They almost took the series at Arkansas. They're fighting to get into the NCAA tournament. They're going to be a tough out this weekend. Yeah. If you know, if my memory serves, and I haven't looked at it too much, but if my memory serves, they lost a lot of one-run games. Yep, they're they feel kind of like Auburn a little bit, where they're just the record does not the amount of talent they have on that team does not add up to what the record shows. Yeah, and I mean I, that you know that's that, and you know uh, what um, you know g- give me your give me your thoughts on this rotation, uh, you know, moving around. Needed to happen. Franco Alamon, I mean, he was giving you three, four good innings, and then it would just completely go to heck in the fourth or fifth inning. Right. And then you'd have to use a bunch of your bullpen, and that puts you behind the eight ball for the final two games of the series. And Tommy Mace, he hasn't been great the last couple of weeks, but he's battled through some stuff and thrown 115 to 120 pitches and giving you seven or eight innings. He's the guy that you trust the most in a high leverage situation from a starting rotation standpoint. So you need him on Friday. And then Barco has been going really well the last couple of weeks. He probably has, he's been the most consistent pitcher on the staff the last few weeks, starter or rotation wise. You move him up Saturday. And then I think the hope is that by moving Frank Allman to Sunday, they're able to take some of the pressure off of him. And if he's only able to give you four innings, that's okay because you've got hopefully a fully rested bullpen and able to kind of piece it together matchup-wise from there on. So I I like it, and I think it's also part to kind of set up for the postseason because you're going to want Tommy Mace probably going game one. Even if you're a one-seed playing a four at this point, I don't think you could take the gamble of having kind of a lesser starter against that weaker opponent. You're probably going to have to start off with Tommy Mace. Well, I, I think the, the, the thing, and in, in, in for me, is this, and I mean, you, you know this as well as I do, but, you know, you, you just can't, you can't allow your bullpen to just get fried in, in the first game, and, and I say that, and that just means depleted. I mean, you know, you cannot go into, into Saturday and Sunday with, you know, the, the chance that you've used four or five guys out of the pen. I mean, it just it doesn't work like that. I mean, that that really hurts you all weekend, and and I think that's been the the biggest issue. So I'm okay with it. Um, you know, again, I I think the biggest thing is this, and that is, you know, this team is only going to go as far as Tyler Mace, or uh, yeah, as Mesa w- will allow them to go, and and that is he has got to be the the guy. I mean, Tommy Mace was the you know the guy who everyone talked about being the guy. If this team is going to go like they want to go, Tommy Mace has to be that tone setter from the get-go. Uh, doesn't like Jack Left, which is going to settle in to be that two guy. He's you know a bullpen guy and settling into that role. Um, so this team's got to figure out you know where they're going to go Saturday and Sunday, and I, I think they have a little bit. Um, but it's got to start with Mace on, on game one. It does, and it just he needs to get off to better start because it seems like he'll give up three or four runs in the first three or four innings, and then he'll, the last three or four innings, give up one hit, strike out four, no runs scored, and it just takes him 50 or 60 pitches before he really kicks it into gear. And for 
he just got to find a way to get, I guess, that ticked off, tired of this feeling before the game even starts, because it just seems like he has to have his butt kicked a little bit before he gets the right emotional level to pitch well. Give him, uh, give him some Jeff Collins that smelling salt or something early in the game. <laughs> that's a joke. That's a joke. But I, I, I'm sure you remember that that whole deal, right, Ethan? I mean, I'm not telling you something you don't remember, right? Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, he was at times they had some smelling salt on the sidelines, and. I don't know, one game before the game that they caught him, and he was just, like, smelling his smelling salt. They're, like, getting fired up. It was funny. <laughs> Collins is a weird dude. <laughs> weird dude, but a, a winning guy at that. So, yeah. I mean, again, uh, overall, like you said, they, they've got to figure it out. Um, it all starts uh, It all starts with the pitching staff. It's always going to all start with the pitching staff. Um, they got to figure it out, and I, I think they will. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm excited to see that they're, you know, starting to get going in the right direction finally. Um, we all, we've all been waiting for that to happen. Um, and so, uh, again, you know, we can all talk about the regular season all you want. There's a lot of teams who have not been very good in the regular season. I mean, not I mean, you got to be good in the regular season, but there's been a lot of teams who have went, uh, uh, you know, the last, you, you know, few years where they've had just okay regular seasons and they came out and done really well in the NCAA tournament. So uh, this team's set up to do really well in the NCAA tournament, and uh, I'm excited to see what they're able to do. Yeah, I think it's, it shows you how far where, where this program is at under Kevin O'Sullivan, where they're going to be a regional host, possibly a borderline national seed. And people are talking about how this team's a disappointment and one of the worst teams Sully's ever had. And if any other sport, I think Gator fans would be killing for a season like this. <sighs> Better watch out. Supposedly, uh, the uh, LSU is going to uh, uh, Minari is going to uh, supposedly retire, and LSU wants to back the Brinks trucks up to a to a coach. So don't want to run Sully out of town. Yeah. They may, they can join Texas and Clemson in that line. Yeah, yeah. So, um, the uh, let's talk about softball just for a quick second, and that was you know they uh, they won the uh, the SEC tournament uh, with the comfort behind win against Texas A and M on Sunday, and or excuse me, won the regular season uh, is the number one seed in the uh, SEC tournament that is going on on Thursday. So, uh, you know, th- this team has had some you know I I, I want to say some question marks throughout the year of you know just you know whether they've uh, you know been consistent and whether they can hit and you know just kind of everything that goes along with it uh, but you're starting to see them kind of get together and you know it's kind of a Tim Walton team and that is you know when that when the lights come on at the end of the year that's when they start to play well and uh, you know is this team you know dominant not by any means but they do all the little things right and, and they play the game the right way um, they're a veteran based team and, and, and they're doing really well. They're just uh, watching them too. They're just a team that they seem to always live on the edge. Yeah. They just keep, yeah, just keeping walk off home runs. And you're like, their luck's eventually going to run out, right? And then it just never runs out. <laughs> Listen, as a Braves fan, I dealt with that the last few years where it was just like, you know, they, they come from behind. And yeah, I, it does. It, it does. It seems like, you know, this team doesn't hit um, for the majority of the game. And then it always seems to find Hannah Adams at the end of the year. I mean, at the end of the game. And it's like, okay. There it is. You know it's coming. And, you know, it, it was the other uh, on Sunday where Cottrell was on fire, and boom, there she was. The 
found the way to hit the game-winning home run. And um, You know, again, is this team dominant by any means? No, not at all. But I think this is a team that's destined to, to, to do well because of just how uh, how veteran base they are and Tim Walton at the uh, at the helm. Yeah, it's just a kind of a very un Tim Walton like team too in terms of they don't have one dominant pitcher, but they just seem to just always have what it takes to have one more run on the board than the other team, even if it isn't very pretty to get there. And who would have ever thought Arkansas would be the team that they tied with? A team that a Arkansas few years like, Go ahead. I say Arkansas like taking over the SEC and everything. They've always been good in baseball. They Went like the farthest they've gone in the basketball tournament in a long time. They're winning softball now. Football is a little bit better than what they have been. They're just they're having maybe the best most unexpected year of any athletic department in the SEC. Yeah, um, I mean it was it was weird because you know when you when you you know talk about Arkansas you know the last few years uh, it they were always the team that was going to get run ruled. They were always the team that, you know, you came into thinking, okay, this is going to be a blowout. You know, you're going to play, you know, five innings and win 10 to nothing or, you know, eight to nothing, whatever it may be. And then, you know, they're able to continue to, to do what they're doing. So uh, good to see, um, you know, I like to see competitive overall. Um, again, the Gators are hosting and, uh, you know, pretty much uh, a lot to be a, a, a national seed and, and to host not only a regional, but a super regional at they're able to go there. So, uh, real quick, I got to talk about lacrosse uh, for a second. Lacrosse is also hosting. They're the number six seed overall in the national tournament, and they're hosting uh, the uh, number six seed Jacksonville uh, on Friday. Yeah, and they lost to Jacksonville in the regular season, so not seem like when you look at the schedule that they would have a pretty easy, easy time to the third round. But they lost to Jacksonville. I think they played one of the other teams very competitively. So it could be a interesting weekend for them. Yeah. So uh, any final thoughts on the diamond sports lacrosse? I think we just about covered it all. Um, am I missing anything? Uh, don't think so. Right. Uh, I know. Oh, ten- go ahead. We're going to talk about some of the rule changes. And- yeah. Yeah. But I was meaning uh, the, oh. the, uh, the smaller sports. I think we, I think we got it all. I think so too. I, I know uh, tennis is still going on, um, and uh, and golf still going on. So uh, yeah, that's uh, that's that. Uh, yeah, let's talk about some of the rule changes. Uh, go ahead, Ethan. I'll let you start. Uh, the overtime rule in football is the biggest one. Uh, give us the rundown on that. So from now on, you're gonna have to go after you score a touchdown. You got to go for two points starting after the second overtime instead of the third, which it was previously. And once you get to the third overtime, it basically becomes a two-point conversion shootout from the three-yard line. And I think all this is just a very large overreaction to that seven-overtime LSU-Texas A&M game a couple years ago. And I just, I'm not a fan of this rule just because, first of all, that game was awesome to watch. The get like 150 points on the board, and Ed Orgeron's coaching the game soaking wet because they dunked him with Gatorade because they thought they had it won. And it just seems like you're making an overreaction to, for safety reasons to an event that happens maybe every 10 years you see a game go that long. And I, I don't like it either because it's kind of like in baseball where you start extra innings with a runner on second. Like you're fundamentally changing how the game is played at this point, and you're basically taking the line of scrimmage out, I think, because nobody's going to run the ball on their two-point conversion shootout. basically becomes a receivers and quarterback game at that point, and it's, that negates any advantage one team might have in the trenches, and you're 
changing how the game is played to decide a winner. I was able to watch, and uh, you might not remember this, um, but the LSU-Arkansas game that went seven overtimes with Darren McFadden, I was in attendance at that game, um, and what an awesome game. I mean, the most exciting game ever. I don't like this rule either. I, I mean, I do kind of like the two-point shootout a little bit. I mean, you know, but I'm also one of those guys who say, you know, uh, in hockey, I, I don't like hockey, but I don't mind the whole, you know, shootout kind of thing uh, but then in baseball I wouldn't want a homer derby to end it in a way but in a way it'd be fun I don't know I don't like the whole runner on second base thing but uh so I don't know I, I'm okay with it in a way um but I do think it's a little bit of an overreaction I mean the COVID stuff hopefully is going to go away so the health concerns of being on the field shouldn't be an issue uh going forward uh so I, I don't know I, I don't like it I don't I don't like it because it's I mean, that seven-overtime game, LSU-Texas game, was people love that, and everyone except for people in the NCAA office, apparently. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, what was the uh, the other rule was about uh, eliminating the contact as much contact as possible in practice, uh, especially the Oklahoma drill. No more Oklahoma drill. And I ask you this, Ethan, because of this, and that is. We're already seeing pitiful defenses around the country. We're seeing terrible tackling around the country. This is only going to make it worse. This no hardly no contact kind of thing. It's only going to make it worse in college football. You not being able to, to tackle correctly is going to, first of all, have more injuries in my opinion because guys are not going to know how to, to tackle correctly, for tackle correctly. Uh, but also, I think tackling is just going to be worse. Yep, it's going to be a lot. Upwards tackle. I think what you'll see, what you saw last year with the teams not getting the things get shut down for COVID, that's going to become like the new norm. You're going to see basically every game look like a Big 12 game with just missed tackles, and it's going to become a wide receiver dominated game even more than it already is. And then you're going to see more injuries because you're having all these rules in place with like targeting and you can't hit people here or there. And now, but yet now you're not giving them a chance to practice how to properly tackle. It just seems kind of contradictory. Right, and, and that's the thing. I mean, that's what that's what I think is frustrating. Um, is you, when you when you see the injuries, and I think you're just going to continue to see it. And I don't know. I mean, I get it. I mean, you know, not trying to you know try not to get people hurt in, in practice. I I get it, but it's been going on for years. I don't know. I, I you just you don't see very many injuries in practice from the Oklahoma drill. No, I think I feel like coaches already do a pretty good job of women in contact because they don't want their best players injured any more than the NCAA does. So right. Yeah, I don't know. What was the other rule changes? I know I'm missing something. Um, I don't know any other rule cha- other than. NIL, that's not really... Yeah, well, let's go to hit on that for a second here. we got a few minutes. Let's hit on that. Um, you know, Florida's gone back and forth. They were off. Now they're back on of whether they're going to, you know, allow it to start in July like it was supposed to. Um, you know, it was voted not to. Then uh, Mullen and uh, some other people came out and was against it, and, and now it's back on to do it. Um, it. It's one of those things where you already voted into law. Put it into effect. 
let's just let it be done and and and, and move on with it and and let's get the show on the road and and uh, start allowing it to happen you know i think it's beneficial to the state of florida to do it because guess what more people are going to come to your colleges and that's going to allow more revenue that kind of stuff you know when parents and that kind of stuff come in you know obviously if the big three is winning it's more uh you know um revenue for your state as well so i i don't i don't i don't get it um of why they wanted to go back on it i'm glad they decided for right now that they're going to allow it to start in july um i think it's good for florida I'm not sure what the whole reasoning was for delaying it for a year. I just think they were concerned about maybe some of the unintended of consequences or, but the only way you're going to figure any of that out is by doing it. It's going to be probably a rocky road of having to learn things as you go and kind of adjust. And for, as far as Florida's concerned, it was going to be in a big advantage, but now pretty much every other state's kind of following suit. So I'm not really sure how much of an advantage it is at this point. I know Tennessee just passed a similar law a couple days ago. Yeah, it was weird because Georgia and I, you know, I know Georgia and Georgia Tech already came out, but Georgia had the whole thing about, you know, they may, um, you know, allow some of the uh, the money to be taken away and put into other athletes. And, you know, somebody had a had a, you know, comment about it on I think it was on social media that is it going to cause problems in the locker rooms between the bigger names and the smaller names? Because let's just say let's go back to last year. Kyle Pitts, for instance would get endorsement deals. Kadarius Tony would get endorsement deals. Um, Kyle Trask would get endorsement deals. You know, would, you know, Kamori Gamble get upset as a backup tight end? Would Emory Jones get upset as a backup quarterback? I, I don't know that you can worry about that in a way. I mean, I think it's, you know, kind of what it is. I, I should, you know, push you to work harder, but I mean, it happens in the NFL. I mean, not every NFL player gets an endorsement deal. I mean, uh, some get it, some don't. I mean, I don't want to say be happy that you're in college, but I think it should push you a little bit. And I don't think that it'll cause much drama there. And, but and I definitely don't think it's fair to say, all right, well, Kyle, because you're so good, you know, your some of your endorsement deals from you know the the local uh, automotive place, you got to give it to the backups. That's not fair to him. It's it's not fair. I'm glad to hear that the University of Georgia and I think Georgia Tech too aren't gonna follow through with doing that like they could. But also I think people are overestimating just how many players are going to be able to make lucrative amount of money off of this. I mean, on the Gators football team this year, who's going to get like a major endorsement? Emory Jones, maybe Kyrie Elam, and who else? Yeah, I mean, I, obviously your quarterback is probably going to always get it. Because that's you know, uh, uh, you know that's always the 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 face of the franchise. But no, I mean, uh, you know, maybe you know some of your big recruits that come in that you know they may. But yeah, I mean, again, no, that there's not going to be a ton. Uh, you can't limit it and you can't take it away either uh, and give it to other people. No, you, you can't. That was just that law in Georgia didn't really. It seemed like you're trying to make it seem like you're giving the players more freedom to earn money, but then you put these restrictions on it to where you still have control. It just felt like kind of an effort to find a happy medium, and it it's not going to be implemented. So I'm not really sure what the point of having that clause in there is. Right, exactly. Um, what's your thought on it in general? Are you glad to see it? I, I like the fact that they can make money off of their name, image, and likeness now and just – 
I'm mostly for just because I hope we get that video game back in a couple years. <laughs> yeah. Selfish perspective. Yeah. Selfish perspective. I like that. Yeah. I mean, again, I, I don't, I don't see an issue with it. I, I really don't. Um, you know, I, I've never really seen an issue with it. Uh, you know, I, I think that if you're good enough to earn it, you know, you might as well. I mean, I, I what does it hurt the school? I mean, it, it doesn't. So, um, I'm okay with it. I'm glad to see it done. Uh, to be to be completely honest with you, and, and this is selfish as well. I'm ready for it to come into play so that we don't have to continue debating, you know, when it's going to come in. All all this other stuff. I'm just ready to see it come into effect so that it can be done and people can get off the well. It doesn't need to happen. When's it going to happen? That kind of stuff. Mm. I think this law too. People talk about how it's going to make the rich richer and the poor poor. I actually think you could see group of five teams actually benefit from this because if you have a uh, really talented player like an Ed Oliver at Houston, he's a big pit, big uh, big fish in a small pond. There's, I think, maybe a better chance for someone like him to make money than somebody who's just one of many stars at Florida, for example. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, obviously, I, I agree with that. I mean, you know, uh, who was the quarterback that was at UCF uh, when they uh, were really good? Uh, Mackenzie Milton? Yeah, no, 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 no. I, or, sorry, USF. Uh, oh, USF. Uh, I don't remember, but yeah, UCF is a good one. McKenzie Milton. You're 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 not you're telling me that those Orlando businesses and stuff like that wouldn't be flocking to you know get him advertisement and support him for the Heisman and all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Um. So yeah, I mean, I I don't see it as a bad thing. I mean, here's the thing too, and that is the 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 lower level schools that aren't going to get these kids anyway. So, yeah. you know, it, it's not a, it's not going to hurt them any worse. Um, the schools aren't giving them any more money. No. So, be, go ahead. Be interesting how this how it affects recruiting too, because like, can coaches promise a guy an endorsement deal, or how involved can they be in all this? Um. Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know if they can. I, you know, I don't think they can do that. And I don't think they can like you know, help them. I mean, I don't think they can like point them in a direction, but I definitely think they can advertise them more. And I mean, uh, Florida had the, what was it? Gator made program. They started or something like that to help them. I think they can help them, but I don't think they can like, um, um, you know, I don't think they can like push, you know, Hey, here's a contract, sign it. I don't think they can do that. But a lot of these businesses too are run by like, big time wealthy gator booster so there's it's kind of a gray area there right exactly so yeah there you go on that so um any final thoughts on things um i think we just about covered it all um any uh anything we missed um i basketball is still yeah there's yeah luckily they didn't lose a third yeah it's not like they're going to for a couple of days there um so yeah i think that's it uh ethan and we'll we'll be back next week we'll recap the sec tournament uh we'll recap uh how for softball and we'll recap how baseball does and um maybe by then they'll have some new assistant coaches in basketball one can only hope that's dragging on longer than the 
football assistant coach search that we thought was never-ending. Yeah, for real. So, all right, guys. Well, we appreciate it as always. Follow us at Gator Country on uh, on uh, Facebook and on Twitter and on Instagram. And uh, follow Ethan all weekend on Twitter and follow myself on Twitter as well. Uh, we'll have all the action in baseball and softball and anything else that's going on. And as always, we appreciate it, guys. We will talk to you guys later.